Merry Christmas. The West Side is still asleep. Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord. What a splendid Sunday morning for us to wish one another a Merry Christmas. I want to announce that we have raised $27,561.50 for our missionaries around the world. Thanks to your generosity and your heart and your desire to give and to change the world by the gospel message of Jesus Christ, sending people into all the world, letting them know that 2,000 years ago there was a child, a Christ child, who was born, who would change history for mankind forever. Can I hear an amen? amen? Throughout the course of our service this Sunday morning, I hope that you were able to experience worship with our hands, worship with the arts, Worship with our voice. Worship with our instruments. Worship with our minds. If there is any place that we, the people of God, should recognize who God is and to worship him, bringing and laying at the feet of Jesus our very best, it's Christmas. And it's here at Mission Ebenezer Family Church. The title of today's message is An Imperfect Kingdom Enthroned by a Perfect King. An Imperfect Kingdom Enthroned by a Perfect King. The time has come for us in 2021 to celebrate the advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or the Christ Child. He was a perfect child, and he has brought to us the story of God. And here we as humans live and live out an imperfect story of humankind. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful that our God chose us. Emmanuel, God with us. God became a man. Through the incarnation, Jesus Christ became one of us. I'm so glad that the Christ child or our Savior was not a horse. I'm so glad that the Savior of the world was not a cow, though I love beef. I'm so glad that the Savior of the world was not a pig, although I love chorizo. God became a man. He ennobled humanity. He redeemed all of creation through one of us. And from the heavens, Jesus stepped down from the throne. And he says, I'll go. And so God took on flesh. In the prophet Isaiah, it's chock full of prophecy. In Isaiah 7, we read about Emmanuel, God with us. God 
being divine, through Christ came to us. Christ became a man, and in us we were redeemed. Today we read from Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, where it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, comma, Counselor, comma, Mighty God, comma, Everlasting Father, comma, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. Somebody say David's throne. And over his kingdom, somebody say kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty shall accomplish this. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise today. That 700 years before Jesus came to the earth, Isaiah prophesied the coming of the Christ child. And God fulfilled his promise in the birth of Jesus. Mary gave birth to a son. It was a a virgin birth. Mary had not yet laid with Joseph, whom she was betrothed to. They left Nazareth from the area of Galilee, and, and they traveled down to Bethlehem, the town of David. For under the governor Quirinius, there was a census that was to be taken for all the land. It was also a trap by Herod because he had heard about what was coming down the pike, a way to slaughter all boys because the throne of David was threatened or so the earthly throne that Herod sat upon was threatened. But God had other things in mind. Can I hear an amen? We read this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. We read about the government that God should establish upon the shoulders of Jesus. We read about the greatness of God and the perfection of Christ the child. We also hear and read of the kingdom that will be established through the lineage of David. An earthly kingdom. But God also promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Verses 13 and following, he said, I shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Somebody say forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, and thine house and thine kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever, according to all these words, and according to all this vision. So did Nathan speak unto David. Nathan the prophet spoke unto David and said, You cannot build the temple or the house of God, but God will establish your throne forever. And he prophesied over David. And it was a redeeming vision and a redeeming prophecy that David could hold on to. His son Solomon would be the one to build the physical structure of the temple or the house of God. But through their son, Jesus, he would establish 
the heavenly throne and the kingdom of God here on earth. It's easy for us to skip from David and go to Jesus. It's very easy for us to overlook the role that Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, played in this whole story. And I want us to think about for a moment what Joseph meant to the story. We sing songs about Jesus. And what other person in the Holy Trinity or the Holy Family do we like to sing songs about? Mary. Come on, church. Wake up, church. How many songs have you sung about Joseph? Poor Joseph. We sing about Jesus, the Christ child, and rightly so. We worship Jesus. He is our God. We sing about Mary, the mother of God. Where is Joseph? Joseph's the one who, whose picture's getting cropped out on the editing booth. Joseph is the one who, whose face is getting faded on the family portrait. Joseph is the one who's forgotten about. Just read the Bible and you'll see in the New Testament, Joseph fades out of the picture real quick. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But if it wasn't for Joseph, somebody say if it wasn't for Joseph. This unlikely Christmas story would not have taken place and, and we would not be celebrating it and we would not be worshiping the way we worship had it not been for the faith and the trust that Joseph had in the plan of God. You see, Mary, Mary just had to obey and she said yes. And the Bible says she was impregnated and she was overcome by the Holy Spirit, hence the birth of Christ. And Joseph had nothing to do with it. Didn't even believe it. Wanted to divorce Mary and break off the engagement. But Joseph said, okay, fine. Well, let's see how this thing unfolds. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, don't worry. Don't trip, homie loke. I'm involved in this situation. Joseph had to take himself. He had to take his faith. He had to take his trust to a place that sometimes you and I have to go. You and I live in a broken world. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let's be real. We live in an imperfect world. And the imperfect kingdom that God had established here through David was going to be redeemed by Jesus, the perfect son, a perfect child. Jesus would come in and redeem it all. And that's the story of our life. That's the story of our faith. Christmas is a time where you and I take our faith to another level. I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. I know what you've already, what, where you've already been going and what you've already been doing. You've been already visiting family and friends. Maybe some of you have, have had early Christmas gatherings like we did yesterday with Koba and his family before they go up to Seattle to be with our brother David. But how many of you know you're already thinking in your head, man, should I go to the family gathering or not? 
I'm going to see all my family, family, some family I don't want to be with. Some I just don't feel comfortable around. How many of you know that family gatherings around times like Christmas are a reminder of the imperfect world that we live in? I'm here to challenge us today and say like Joseph, you, you and I need to fill in the gap. We need to stand in the gap. We need to trust God and we need to say as imperfect as my life is, as imperfect as my family is, I need to go and be in the place where God needs me to be. Oh, but I can't go. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me. Oh, yeah, God does. Oh, but I'm not even welcome. Yes, you are. Because you have Christ. And just like Mary gave birth to Jesus in her physical body, spiritually speaking, you and I have given birth to Christ when we said yes to Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus, Christ was birthed in your life. God came and over, overwhelmed you. The Holy Spirit overwhelmed you just like he overwhelmed Mary when you gave birth to a new life. The Bible says in John chapter 3, there was a man named Nicodemus who came to visit Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. And he was part of the Jewish sect that wasn't supposed to believe in Messiah. He wasn't supposed to believe that Jesus was the Christ. He wasn't supposed to believe that Jesus was the true king of Israel. He wasn't supposed to believe that Jesus was the rightful heir to the throne of David. So what did Nicodemus do? He visited Jesus at night. Night visitations. He'd come and he'd rap on the door. Who is it? It's me, Nico. Hey, come in. Come here. Hey, close the curtain. How you doing, brother Nico? Not too bad. They had a conversation and Nicodemus asked Jesus, oh, what, what, must you, what must you do to be saved, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, my son, one must be born again. Oh, what is, how can a man be born again? Born twice? I can't go back into my mother's womb. Matter of fact, my mom's already, you know, rest in peace. No, spiritually speaking, for flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. If Joseph and Mary had laid down together, which they did later on after Jesus was born, they gave birth to Jesus's brothers. Flesh gave birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. God said, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save this broken world. I'm going to enter in. I'm going to crash the party. I'm going to redeem this. I know it's not a perfect plan. I know the creation story seems odd and ridiculous to, to those of us 2,000 years later who are still trying to make sense of all the science and all the things related to faith and reason. And yet God says, I don't care about any of that. My plan is still perfect. My plan is still perfect. And Mary gave birth to Jesus. He wasn't half man and half God. Jesus was fully man and fully God. And I was thinking about this story, the unlikely story of a man named Joseph who would actually sit back and allow his virgin wife 
to give birth to a child. Now, I don't, if, if you track with me for a moment, everybody track with me. You, got, you guys with me, church? You with me, church? Track with me for a moment. Now, now, if Joseph really had been the biological father of Jesus, who would have ever believed that Jesus was the Christ? That Jesus was God, the son of God? Who would have ever believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament scriptures that were pointing to, somebody say pointing to, the North Star? Who would have ever believed that this, this, this Christ child, this son who was born, who was wonderful, who's a counselor, who would be a mighty God, who would be an everlasting father and a prince of peace, who would have ever believed that Jesus of Nazareth was God? But in order for you and I to understand and to take the great leap of faith across the chasm of doubt, of hurt, of pain. Some of us, I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't even know if I believe in church. You know, I'm just here today just to give God one last chance. I see so much brokenness. I'm dealing with so much hurt. I can't get over the, the hurt and the pain that I've, that I've suffered from, from this person or from that person. You know what? I just don't know what to believe anymore. Well, God is here with us. And God has given us his son, Jesus, so that you and I could put our faith in an unlikely God, in an unlikely redeemer, in an unlikely savior who came into the world in an inexplicable way. God sent his son so that he could redefine and help us to understand this idea of, of impossibilities. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, for with God, all things are what? possible for with God all things are possible so in other words when you and I come to a point in life where we meet an impossibility guess what the impossibility is actually defined by the fact that if you have faith in Jesus and if you have faith in God there is no such thing as an impossibility because you've allowed Jesus to bridge the gap with the cross You've allowed your faith and your trust in the virgin birth of Christ where it starts from the beginning to help you through your unbelief. This Christmas is a time for you and I to stand in the gap for yourself, for your loved ones. Having a conversation with somebody dear, uh, very, very dear and very close to me this past week and they said, they said you know, This year has been the greatest year of my life where I have doubted God in so many different ways. And I thank God I was able to be an encouragement to that person. I said, mark my word, God's coming. He's right around the corner. He's going to change this situation. He's going to change your situation and he's going to reestablish your faith and your trust in God even when you can't see him. Even when you can't feel him. Christmas is all about Christ. An absolutely wonderfully imperfect birth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God for Joseph. Jose. 
You know any, anybody? Their name is Jose Maria. You Mexican then. <laughs> you know anybody named Jesus? I ain't never met anybody named Jesus, though. That's funny, our, our Latino culture, man. We, we go through the whole holy family. But in English, it just doesn't fly, does it? We're like, oh, don't name him Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I thank God for Joseph, and I thank God for his role as a supporting cast member to the story of God. For me, it helps validate the true story of Christmas. We ain't talking about St. Nick. Talking about Jesus and his birth. It helps me to validate the fact that it was an imperfect story that brings us along our journey of faith Disney, they try so hard to encapsulate the story of good news. But there's no greater story than the story we find in the Bible. That God saw his creation. He saw us hurting. He saw us living in a broken world. And he says, I want to do something about it. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. If you haven't done so this Christmas, I want to encourage you to start spending your quiet time in the morning or when you're on your break or at night reading the birth narrative of Christ. You can choose either Matthew or Luke, the first couple of chapters in each one. You're going to find so much. It's so rich. I want to encourage you to, in your faith to spend time in the word of God to, to circle around the dining table with some of you families and, and take turns reading the passage and the story of Christ. And here we are continuing what Isaiah spoke about in, in chapter 9 with the fulfillment of the kingdom or the lineage of David and the throne that God was establishing and then we went to 2 Samuel chapter 7, where we received the vision and the prophecy by Nathan. Everybody say Nathan. So if you haven't already recognized, we're going through the prophets, then we're going through the historical books of the Old Testament, and now we're going into the New Testament. I hope you're seeing that we love to mix teaching with preaching. I hope you see that we like to infuse knowledge with inspiration here at Ebenezer. I hope you see that you're not just going to come out of these doors. You're not just going to come into these doors with everything that you're carrying in life and leave out the same way. But you're going to come in inspired. You're going to come in informed. And you're going to go out blessed and anointed, full of the favor of God, so that you can go and be the light of Christ to everyone else in the world. Luke chapter 2 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he was, the, he was the king of Rome, the Caesar, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, these are all facts. They're factoids. These are all historical facts that you can trace in time and history that coincide and run parallel to the gospel account according to Luke, the evangelist, or the doctor. I'm a history major from UCLA, and I love when we studied the Roman Empire because I was able to make my own parallels between human history and biblical history. So that when I... I continued my studies at Fuller Seminary and I, I studied church history and I studied the development of the Word of God and systematic theology and all this other stuff, whatever. I was able to keep making connections and correlations and, oh man, it was so edifying for me and my faith. Which is why we all got to keep growing. Somebody say, we got to grow. So Quirinius, Caesar Augustus were, were true to fact, living historical people in our world 2,000 years ago that are now validated and are called an attestation of Scripture. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Bethlehem in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Are you tracking with me, people of God? Now, this is over 700 years later. Luke is writing about the story of Jesus, and it's lining up with the, the ancient script. Now, for us, Isaiah being a 2,700-year-old document or scroll, that's a long time, right? That's like, that's an old piece of paper. Now, let me ask you a question. Any of you guys still read books that were written over 100 years ago? How many? Raise your hand if you read books over, that are over 100 years of age. Okay, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you, if you read books that are over 200 years old. Raise your hand. Let me see. Anybody? Well, first of all, it's a, it's a, it has a double meaning, my question. The biblical documents are thousands of years old. And also, if you read any other type of literature that is old and ancient or classical, then you may understand also that there's a way for us to understand whether or not we give credibility to ancient manuscripts or literature. Most of us are reading current events. Most of us are reading the newspaper. Most of us are reading more contemporary books. Most of, most of us are just trying to survive and make it in, in this world. Can I hear an amen? Some of, us, some of us want to lose weight. Some of us want to have a better diet. Some of us want seven steps to a better marriage. Some of us want five ways to love your child better. Some of us read A Purpose Driven Life. That's a couple decades old. and It's a great, it's a great book. But what is the point? The point is that Luke was writing about an event that Isaiah prophesied about 700 years before he wrote. That's amazing. And there was no way that these facts, Jesus could have lined up these facts on his own. He was just being born. 
It happened to him. Can I hear an amen? Let's keep reading. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, now, a couple of things you guys know. A manger is not a stable. How many of you know the difference between a manger and a stable? A stable is where the animals are all kept. A manger is where they eat. It's a trough. A manger is similar to the French word manja manja, Italian word manja manja, right? It's where they, they eat food. Jesus was laid in a trough because there was no room at any of the Airbnbs there in Bethlehem. They were all maxed out. Why were they maxed out? Because other people who had also come from the, town of Dave, uh, from the town of David or Bethlehem were coming to be counted in the Roman census according to the role or the rule of Quirinius. Are we tracking? That's why there was no more room in the inn. Mary didn't have the app on her phone. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ The Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's read that again, church. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven. How many, of you, how many of you guys believe in angels? I do. How many of you believe in heaven? I do. What is heaven? I don't know. But I haven't been there yet. Angels had to have gone somewhere. And they had to have come from somewhere. So let's just all agree that heaven is somewhere out there. Let's all agree that heaven is somewhere that we don't know where. But wherever heaven is, our Jesus is. Our Lord God is. The everlasting Father is. And his everlasting throne continues in heaven as it is in your heart. Hallelujah. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and, re- and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. There's nothing like reading the Word of God. There's nothing like allowing the Word of God to steady your nervous hand. There's nothing like allowing the Word of God to bring peace to your troubled heart. There's nothing like the Word of God to bring hope to this desperate world. There's nothing like the Christ child to break into our imperfect world. There's nothing like God to remind us of his love for us. There's nothing like a gracious God who forgives us of our sins and who meets us where we are in our brokenness. This Christmas, this Christmas gathering that we are going to attend, that we will attend, will be filled with broken people and imperfect people. And we, because of the grace of God that we have received and the love of God and the peace that he has given to you as a gift through his son, Jesus Christ, will allow us to see people through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of Christmas, through the love of Christmas, through the love of God. We will see our friends and family. We will be able to celebrate this Christmas, the fact that God came to love us and to save us and to redeem us and to give us hope. For our lives. Hallelujah. Some of you are still saying, Pastor, you're crazy. I'm not going. Well, then how can you be a Christian? How can we be Christians if we don't forgive? How can we be disciples of Jesus Christ if we don't demonstrate our love? That's what Christmas is all about. You and I, when times get tough, you look up. You look for that star. You look for the star of David that's leading to Bethlehem that will bring us right back to the feet of the child Christ and remind us when we get all hung up on our own self-righteousness, when we get hung up on thinking that we've strung a couple of perfect days together that we're still imperfect. And when we start getting all self-righteous and start judging everybody and pointing the finger once again, making it hard for us to make it through yet another Christmas, let's be reminded that God was patient with us and God loves us and God is right by your side and God is right there in your heart and God loves you because he gave us his son Jesus and Jesus is present in your life. Hallelujah. Mission Ebenezer, let's stand to our feet.